Hey, this is Trevor, and for myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to episode 219. This time around, you are joined by horror and film legends Barbara Crampton, Bonnie Ahrens, and Larry Fessenden. At time of release, in theaters on demand and digital April 16th, their spectacular new film, Jacob's Wife, is here. We are so excited to tear into this one with you. They talk about horror with heart and the power of the genre and its cultural importance. Hear how this particular project was such a personal experience with deep meaning and significance for all three of them. What they're up to next, what inspired them in the first place, and so much more. Take a bite out of episode 219 and Jacob's Wife. It all starts now. This is Barbara Crampton. I'm Bonnie Ahrens. I'm Larry Fessenden, and you are listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. I feel more alive than I have in years. Hey, Mrs. Fetter, you all right? Mrs. Fetter? Why didn't you tell me when this first happened? I felt ashamed. As you should. Husbands love your wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. So effed up! That looks heavy. I want to make my own decisions from now on. You ever see something you couldn't explain, Sheriff? <laughs> you don't know how to fight for me because you've never done it. Give me the strength to save her soul! We need to finish this! How are you gonna write this one up, deputy? Domestic dispute? Nonviolent? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio are three cinematic legends. She is an actor who got her start on one of the longest running scripted TV series in the world, the Emmy winning Days of Our Lives, launching an incredible career filled with fun, adventure, and bathed in blood. She is a treasure to the horror genre, bringing to life its most celebrated and influential stories. 1985's Reanimator, Chopping Mall, the Sitkiss Award-winning From Beyond, Puppet Master, You're Next, The Lords of Salem, and countless others. She's a multi-award winner who's equally recognized for her portrayal of television's most unforgettable characters in Guiding Light, The Bold and the Beautiful, and The Young and the Restless. She was honored with the Horror Channel Lifetime Achievement Award and continues to inspire and reinvent crafting even more beloved stories and has shared her passion and expertise through her writing in Fangoria and expansion into producing. Next up, a multi-award winning storyteller who is the muse for the best known writers and directors in history. A master in the comedies of Gary Marshall like The Princess Diaries and Exit to Eden, David Lynch's Oscar-nominated Mulholland Drive, The Fairly Brothers' Shallow Hal, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, the Oscar-winning Silver Linings Playbook, and many more. In 2016, she was cast as the demon nun Valak in James Wan's The Conjuring 2 and gave a performance that was so compelling 
It resulted in an entirely new storyline within the infamous universe that has been continued therein and gave her her very own film, 2018's The Nun, turning her into an integral part of the genre lexicon and not only horror history, but has transcended into our pop culture forever. Lightning in a fucking bottle. Finally, the godfather of indie cinema and arguably the most influential force in horror in our lifetime. Purveyor and founder of Glass Eye Picks. He's an actor, producer, writer, director, cinematographer, and musician. His films include 1995's multi-award winning Habit, Wendigo, The Last Winter, and 2019's Depraved. He has exceptional creative vision and has nurtured and supported the most unique voices in the industry, giving them a platform and elevating them to greatness. Talent like Ty West, Jen Wexler, Robert Mocker, Anna Asensio, his own son Jack, who wrote and directed his first film, Stray Bullets, at the age of 16. As a result, he has over 81 production credits, from The Innkeepers to House of the Devil to Mickey Keating's Psychopaths, and has acted in over 113 projects like Session 9, The Roost, Joe Schwanberg's Silver Bullets, You're Next, and the fantastic We Are Still Here. Guillermo del Toro calls him one of the most original voices to emerge in the horror field. Together, their new film is called Jacob's Wife. It's a beautiful and visceral vampire story surrounding a minister and his wife and the pursuit of of one's true self. It's in theaters on demand and digital April 16th. We are honored to welcome its stars, Barbara Crampton, Bonnie Aarons, and Larry Fessenden. Yeah! Oh my gosh, that is the best intro we have all ever received. Thank no you way. so much. Oh, amazing. Well, it's you all- come over every morning and introduce me to my day. I love it. Well, let's just start off again. What a freaking honor to be talking to you all. One an incredible story yes. to bring you all together as well. Travis yeah. Stevens, Jacob's wife. So before we get into it, we want to go around the room. We'd like to do this real quick and find out what is the first horror film you remember seeing and how it made you feel. We'll kick it off with Bonnie. Dracula's. Oh, really? Wow. Dracula's. Oh, in the theater, it was uh, Night of the Living Dead. What did you feel like after you saw those movies? Fantastic. Mesmerized. <laughs> Alert! <laughs> Those are all great. Alert. Oh my god! That's so true. And how about yeah. you, Barbara? The first movie that I ever remember seeing in the theater was that was a horror film was The Exorcist, and I was about thirteen. And I went to see it with a lot of my friends, and I was really scared. The hype on it was so big. I was in the theater with about eight other girlfriends, and it was maybe four o'clock in the afternoon. And I lived the farthest away and we all walked there. And I knew that I was going to have to walk home by myself in the dark by the time the movie ended. And I was afraid so much. So after 30 minutes of the movie, I said, you guys, I got to leave. I got to go home because I know that I won't be able to walk home (laughs) in the dark by myself at the end. So I the first time I saw The Exorcist, I only saw 30 minutes of it. And then and then I went home and I then I watched it 10 years later. So it was both thrilling but really scary and uh i don't know after 35 years in the genre i keep coming back for more because i just you know it gives you a chance to to feel something really exciting and deeper well said and larry yes, how about you yeah. man i just want to say the first 30 minutes of the exorcist is the best part of the movie that whole build-up is so yeah so i mean once you see the the monster and the, the pea soup, it's still a great film, but it's the anticipation and mm-hmm. the slow pacing. That course, was it, it right? It be called an art film. Uh, never mind that. But uh, truly, my first movie that I remember seeing, and it is a horror film, was King Kong, the original. 19- mm. 
I saw it on TV in a hotel room waiting for my grandfather to do something. And it just, it does seem seminal that that was my first movie because I love giant monsters. And, uh, uh, but that one is, is also a beauty and the beast story. So it has great poignancy and it just is why are so fantastic. It's a way to talk about real deep emotions, but you still have the veneer of the fantasy, which just makes everything so fantastic. And I still love, animation and i still love seeing the seams on on my creatures because you have to sort of take the leap yourself to participate in building the uh the fantasy so um uh, even though i saw king kong versus godzilla by our power yes I, yes i want to celebrate uh where it all started with uh, a little tiny animated creature so Barbara, as producer on Jacob's Wife, the, the path to getting this made is a bit of an interesting story. Tell us about when you first discovered the script. Well, it was in 2015. It won a screenplay contest at Shriekfest in Los Angeles. And Denise Gossett, uh, the, the festival director there, and Mark Steensland, the original writer, reached out to me because they heard that I was producing a little bit and they also thought it would be a good vehicle for me. And I read it and I was immediately drawn to the story of this woman who, you know, through this this chance encounter with the vampire uh, has a reawakening to herself and her lust for life. And and it changes and alters her relationship with her husband. And I just knew that it was a story I wanted to tell, both as a producer and as an actor. And uh, it took me many years to develop the story and to find a production company, Bob Portal at Alliance Media Partners that wanted to do it with me. And then to find the money and, you know, all the things that go along with uh, trying to get a, a, a movie off the ground and then finding the director. Um, I think it was very um, fortunate for us that uh, we'd all known Travis Stevens for many years, but it was around the time that we were looking for a director that his movie Girl on the Third Floor came out. And we thought, well, we should also talk to Travis. We're talking to other directors and Travis is a director now. And, and so when he read it, we had lunch one day and he said to me, Barbara, I really love this story. I don't want you to talk to any other directors. I want this to be my next movie. It's an important story to tell. I want to tell it. I want to help you tell it. So please let's do this together. And I just had such a warm feeling from that meeting and, and, you know, just know his talent and, and uh, said, yes, well, you should, you should do it then. I want you to do it. And, and, and there you have it. There is such a strong and unique voice. Speaking of Travis Stevens and everyone else involved in the aesthetic and, and uh, the way that this story is told. It's very unique. And in, in terms of a lot of the style crashes that we see and a lot of stuff packed in, there's seventies aesthetic in the title cards. There's homages to the eighties, the Gothic vampires of Salem's lot and Nosferatu. Mm -hmm. And then you have it elevated by this insane score by Tara Bush. And that the opening mm -hmm. refrains is as iconic as the theme from Rosemary's baby. What mm -hmm. do you love about the look and feel of this particular journey? You know, I'll just I'll, I'll let somebody else jump in if they want to. But I'll just say there there was a very point direction with how the movie was going to look and feel and sound. And in the beginning of the film, we feel that these characters and their story and their world is very sort of somber and and beige and plain. And then the world opens up when Anne is bitten by a vampire and it 
it gets more messy and it gets more fun. So it gets a little bit more comedic and, and more bloody and more dangerous. And so the look of everything had to alter and change to showcase that difference. There, there was, uh, there was some pains taken to, to make the movie feel like some of these movies, these relationship movies, uh, woman under the influence, like from the seventies that we all love. And, and then to sort of paint it with an eighties vibe towards the end to sort of hark back to some of the movies that I was in at the beginning of my career. And, there was just, you know, a, an amalgamation of all that to come together to also wanting to give the fans, the horror fans, a fun movie as well with a message. Bonnie, let's talk about your transformation into the master. What went into that? Let's talk about the physical transformation first. Well, it's quite beautiful, isn't it? It is. It's just one whole thing that fits over like this. And then it was hours on end of them, you know, mixing it into my face. And, you know, it was very, very detailed and uh, it was uh, incredible. It what? is incredible. It's incredible. It's some piece of artwork, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> just thought it was another pretty face, right? <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about developing the choreography, the very unique way that you move your hands and everything that goes with becoming that character? It was very detailed. A lot. I worked a lot with uh, Travis and it was very detailed how I was going to portray this master. One of the things also that we love seeing you here do, Bonnie, is the poetry of the lines that you deliver. Not only in the way they're delivered, but the, the impact that they have and the importance that they have to the whole crux of the story. What did saying those lines awaken in you? Well, they're very powerful and it's very life changing. And of course, for, you know, Anne, and it was uh, it's it's it was great. It, it was refreshing. It was it was it was exhilarating. So much fun, you know, working with Barbara and it, you know, moments I was like, wait, when right before we go. What am I going to say? What am I <laughs> what am I doing? Wait, I just what? Barbara's like, just look at me. And just look at me. One of the things that I loved that Bonnie had those teeth yes. were crazy. Those were so neat. I just want to ask everybody, like we love props and costumes. Did you guys keep anything from the production? Oh, I can't believe you're asking that. Remember last time I spoke to you guys about who the hell takes anything from us? Yes. <laughs> no one takes anything from us. What the hell? And then I told you, you should be taking stuff from set. Because <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't whatever, get rid of it. It was the teeth. Yes. Yeah. I have the teeth. That's yeah. amazing. I took my teeth as well. And I took a couple of dresses as well. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. <laughs> a couple of my outfits. You were, or you purchased, you didn't just take them because they were saying, oh, did you lift anything last time? I no. No, nobody does that. But <laughs> yeah, you, oh, you wear everything so well, Barbarella. But you know, there was that beautiful orange dress that I wear, I think, right after I bite the neighbor's head off. And the customer loved that dress so much. I had gone shopping with her to a, a just you know old clothing store in the town that we shot in Canton Mississippi and she found that dress and she said oh this is the dress that we need for the scene and we both loved it she loved it so much that I gifted it to her at the end of the film I I said Aww. 
you really love this dress so much. Why don't you keep it and take it home? So she, yeah. I loved my Edwardian costume. Oh, costume house. It was so cool. Yeah, beautiful. Now, the camera does a great job at the beginning of getting us to see Jacob through Anne's eyes. Close-ups of the teeth brushing and the snoring. And we instantly, we can't stand the guy. Even his speeches are wrapped in condescendence. But the amazing thing is, the magic trick is that we as the audience get to unwrap him as the film goes on. Mm-hmm. Larry, what did you love about playing this guy and taking us on this this journey of this character that we end up loving? Yeah. Well, I, I really love doing the uptight guy. And of course, Travis, you know, very nervously said, do you mind if we cut your hair and put the tooth in and have the... That <laughs> of course, that, you know, I grew up with De Niro and the 70s actors, uh, Hoffman, you know, the idea of transforming in each role was always a, a, a charm. And and part of the job. And ironically, I'm always cast as the ne'er-do-well because they don't have the tooth and they just have me come in with a long hair and I get killed. And, you know, that's fun. But it was really a great springboard to be very, very uptight. And, you know, I understand that the mentality of this guy, he's leading a flock of people. He feels a responsibility in the, in the community and, and he's, you know, old school. He thinks his wife is there to serve and making breakfast and, uh, so it was fun to start there. But of course, my own personality, I sort of wanted to loosen the collar. And, you know, I really enjoyed the fact that I was going to head towards a little more enlightenment, if you will, and just um, be a little less uptight as my my lady friend uh, starts to, you know, get randy. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think what's nice about it, too, is that. You know, it's not just about Anne's transformation, but it's about Jacob's transformation. He has to respond to the inquiries of his wife saying, you know, things have to be different now. I mean, and you could have just walked off the set and said, no way, I'm not changing. That's it. That's the end of the movie. I don't change. (laughs) But but you go through a transformation as well. And and you start acting differently. And I think your character starts to have more fun in his life. You know, you know, one thing I, I like to cite is this middle of the movie where my guy starts to break down and you realize he's losing control and he becomes emotional. And I think that's a nice reversal. Yeah. Uh, and you really see that uh, in a relationship, even the uptight person is going through something and has their own fears of exposing themselves or their own anxiety. So, you know, even in a, a fun movie like this, your journey as an actor is to sort of try to find some of those truisms and, 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 you know, have them land in the film and working with Barbara was just so fun. We both were committed to tell a psychologically real story, even with the fantasy elements back to my King Kong metaphor, you know, you actually want to tell real true stories with some insight about psychology while having the, the fantasy element, keeping things fun and fresh and off kilter. So all of that in play, it's, it's a f- really fun role. Also, I usually don't have this much screen time. So mm-hmm. a little more time to uh, throw away the onion and, and do different textural things. There's almost high comedy when I'm talking to the sheriff. And kind of like, <laughs> yeah. That was a great scene. Officer Mike at the yeah. door there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's like, okay, that was good. Larry. Let's do one a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun to watch each of you, yeah. Bonnie, Barbara and Larry in these delicious 
roles because there is as you said there's so much for you as actors to chew on and and the journey that you take us as an audience is is so vast as well and i was just thinking of this randomly speaking of vulnerability there was this scene where jacob apologizes to Anne at the at the breakfast table for talking over top of her i don't think i've ever seen a moment like that referenced in film before and that was particularly poignant moment what do you think about horror with heart what do you think the power of injecting heart into a horror film does for me it's everything i mean i really feel like horror is about facing your fears and overcoming them but at its base it's also about deep empathy and an understanding. And I do feel like at that moment that you're citing, that was a really important moment when we were shooting that. And as we were doing it, I, I remember Travis saying to me, <clears throat> make sure you take time with that. When you say thank you to him, make sure you really feel that. And because that's probably the first time he's ever apologized to me. And then to also talk about what I could apologize to him for, you know, for not speaking up. And that was a very important and poignant moment. You're right in in the script. And this movie, you know, has a lot of fun and has a lot of special effects and, and a lot of over the top moments. And we have some fun and comedy, but really at its heart, it's about two people finding their way back to one another after they feel like they've, they they've lost each other. You know, they've lost, I mean, we've lost our relationship, we, but through the movie, we actually fall back in love again. Yeah. As you said, it's, everything's balanced. It always goes both ways. It's not just a one-sided story about the journey of the wife. It's about, about the couple. No, it, no it, and it is, it's, it is, it's as much about feminism as it is about a marriage. And how do you keep a marriage going after so many years? The key, and we spoke about it a lot, that it's, it's actually about a marriage repairing. It's not an out-and-out feminist story, but it's just about people reminding themselves to communicate and listen to each other. And, you know, I always look for the more universal truths in stories. So it's not about a woman finding her power. It's about two people learning to listen to each other again. And just to your bigger point about horror, I mean, I really think the best horror movies resonate because they have some emotional truth and i think that's where travis and barbara and i came together and, and knew that that was the agenda for this movie the boo crew will be right back hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Listen, this is the eerie, ghastly, sinister sound of giant vampire bats in flight summoned from the caves of perpetual night to destroy, to kill, to avenge. Universal presents a tale of the supernatural, Kiss of the Vampire. You know what a vampire is? Yes. I've heard of vampire bats. No, not bats. Human vampires. Beings who exist on the blood of other humans. Kiss of the Vampire. 
the spine-chilling drama of two young lovers trapped in a twilight world of terror, a world of unspeakable horror. You've hypnotized her. She's in a trance. Look at me, Marianne. For God's sake, look at me. Learn the macabre secrets of a living dead. Gasp at the screen's most terrifying climax. Kiss of the Vampire in color. One of the main reoccurring themes that we hear in the voiceover exchange between the master and Anne is the mantra of the film. And that is, who are you and what do you want? Right. Bonnie, what does that phrase mean to you? And how has that guided you through your career? Well, it means a lot because, you know, everybody's told me, forget it. Not with that face. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. No way. No way. And if you really want something and you really believe in yourself and if you know what you want or, you know, even if you do something and you're not quite sure, you'll find your way. Yeah, I mean, this movie means so much to me in so many ways. And it came to me at a time in my career, really, when I had just reinvested myself after not working in my late thirties for a long time, because there were no roles for me. Nobody was telling stories about an older woman in her thirties. And I felt at a time, like maybe I was a washed up actress. I wasn't going to get any more roles. I got married and I uh, had a, uh, two children. I concentrated on my family and I left the business and I didn't think about it again. And then when I came back, with your next in 2011, it, it was a call out of the blue. It was just a lucky fluke that, you know, they thought of me and they said, Oh, we want to have some sort of older horror, horror actress from the eighties in this movie. So let's see if we can get Barbara Crampton. Well, <clears throat> they didn't know what they did. They unleashed a beast because, <laughs> because I came back on that movie. And I was so inspired by all these young people, like, being all these multi hyphenates and, and just working to help one another tell cool, interesting stories. And I just fell in love with acting again and fell in love with the business. And I thought, well, if I want to continue and make it happen, I can't sit around and wait for the phone to ring. And I've got to try to develop some stories that I feel passionate about that I think are cool. And maybe along the way, I'll find some stories that could also be, you know, about me and, and, Jacob's wife was came to me five years ago and it and it perfectly aligned with what we're talking about, that I wanted to have more control. I didn't want to be done. I didn't want people to say to me, you're too old and we don't have anything for you anymore. You know, there's nothing there's nothing of value. There's no stories that you can tell that are important. Well, fuck that. So this movie was telling all the women out there and, and relationships and people that are in marriages, there's something more for you out there. Don't settle for just what you have and what somebody else offers you and gives you ask for something more, try for something more and be bolder. What did your kids think about you coming back? Were they supportive, excited? I could imagine that's probably what they were. Uh, you know, it was a little bit of everything just like relationships are just like, you know, the relationship with, with Jacob, it's a little bit of everything. My husband and my children were intrigued by the whole idea, 
but they didn't like me going away for long periods of time and being away from them and not being able to be there to help them and aid them. And I also had a certain amount of guilt about it by not being there for, for certain moments. It was all, it was everything. It was very full. You know, there was a lot of push and pull, but that's what I think ultimately has made our life more exciting that I get to do something that I feel passionate about that I love. And, and my kids see me having a second round of my career and my husband sees me having a second round of my career, just as his is sort of waning down. You know, he's been, he's worked in in the financial business for almost 40 years and uh, he's starting to think about the time when he's not going to be doing that anymore, just as I'm sort of ramping up. So he kind of wants me to be there for him, you know, and do things with him. But at the same time, I think my kids and my husband understand that I have to do this next round for myself. As long as that's going to be, I don't know. Larry, you're very much a cultivator of dreams. What does that phrase mean to you? Who are you and what do you want? Well, you know, I really love the arts and the creative impulse and uh, the idea of community and people getting along and supporting each other and through empathy, understanding what someone else is going through. And that's how I approach a performance, but it's also how I produce. I mean, I take the moniker of producing, but really what I am is um, I'm helping people put, put a team together to build a film and to be as true as they can to themselves because the notion is that's the only way to compete with um, a Hollywood production is actually with the opposite intuition, which is to be very, very personal so that the story resonates. And that's the one thing a writer's room in Hollywood can't can't do is, is be very, very true and personal. So both creatively, aesthetically, and, and exposing yourself in some way, that's what I encourage artists to do. I've also been lucky to meet good ones. But, you know, if you think of someone like Ty West, you know, the reason his movies are interesting is they're they're called slow burn, but it's because he's, he's observing the details and also his own neurosis is involved. And, and so in other words, there's something very true in there. There's an authenticity and that's what I think the fans respond to. So that's really all I do is I find people that I think are really looking to do something special. If it's in the genre, all the better, but I've supported people like Kelly Reichert as well. Who's a, you know, now a world-class indie filmmaker. And um, I just, I really believe the arts and culture can save the country. I take things very seriously in terms of the interface between art and art and, and political voice. You know, the real change comes from, well, believe it or not, a movie like Jacob's Wife is talking about some of these things we've, we've discussed today. Those are important to put into the culture and let people mm-hmm. ruminate and know they're not alone in their feelings of anxiety. And also, last thing I'll say is I think fear is a true motivating emotion. We see that in our politics all the time. And uh, I think I like staring fear in the face. And, and that's where horror is, is, I'm sorry, the most potent uh, genre. And there's something sweet about it because it's also not treated seriously. In other words, the elites think that horror is a, is a dirty genre. So I kind of like that about it. It's sort of the... Uh, the gutter snipe of uh, storytelling, but it's where the real truths are being told. 
you've all played uh, so many great characters, both in the horror genre and out. Is there a role in the horror space that you like to play? Let's start with uh, Larry. I, I like showing the vulnerability of a character that you assume is going to be aggressive or mean. And, and just to show in, in whatever time you have in a performance show uh, a little bit of more nuance, like where does that person come from? So, and, and that is what I think any actor does. You know, there's an old cliche. You don't play a villain. The villain doesn't know they're being bad. Mm -hmm. That's why Heath Ledger is so profound as the Joker. There's a, a tremendous pathos and, and all kinds of other emotions that you're getting from, you know, he's a little, a little confused and you feel like he's, he's upset that everybody misunderstands him. And that nuance he brought is, is why that resonates. And, you know, obviously Wolfman, you know, is a very, very tragic character and, and, and on it goes Frankenstein, Boris Karloff. So horror is a great place to show the misunderstood character. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think the point is, is in any role, even if you walk on to get murdered, which is what happens in my career, <laughs> uh, you want to have a moment, a glimmer of, of humanity that, that the audience, that's the real shock when you're not just treating people uh, and characters like uh, cutouts. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've always wanted to play a classic character like a vampire. Oh, guess what? I just played one. <laughs> and so nobody gave me that part. I had to give it to myself. And, and very often I, I see that these true horror icons that, that people remember over the years, like Freddie and Jason, they're all guys. And so I was able to play, uh, you know, one of the classic characters of the genre. And, and also for Bonnie, you know, to play a vampire in our film and be a woman. Travis changed the gender of the vampire from the original script to a woman. And I just loved the fact that we could give this part to Bonnie because she is a horror icon and she's been so oh. for so many years, you know, she's played the nun and then, but I want to see more of her. I want to bring her out a little bit more. And I think this, this role also gave her an opportunity to flex her acting chops in a classic character role that we haven't seen her in before. Aw, thank you, Barbara. <laughs> thank you, Barbara. Yeah, yeah we love you. Oh, I always wanted to play a vampire, and I didn't have to audition. She handed it to me. It was yeah. great. It was like, it's your role, Bonnie. Yeah. She's the master. <laughs> She's the master. So, yeah, so Bonnie, so is, is there a role in the horror space that you'd like to play? Oh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> any. You name it. Any. So, Barbara, in this movie, playing the minister's wife, you're seemingly grounded at first, then sexy at times, but you also get to play with some fun effects and props like blood, vomit, raw meat, rats, worms. What was your favorite scene to shoot? Oh, uh, there were so many great scenes. Um, I really love this scene in the kitchen when I rip the neighbor's head off and drink the blood <laughs> and I'm so gleeful and really it, it's surprising to her. And at that, the moment that we were shooting the scene, I didn't know how much blood there was going to be. And so I, as Barbara was also very surprised. <laughs> so when you see my face going ah, like this with the blood flowing, my mouth is open and so gleeful and joyful and happy. I was also in shock at what was happening. And uh, it, it was 
delightful and fun. And then the aftermath of that, when Larry comes in, Larry's character comes in and finds me licking the blood off the floor. And I get to say, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It wasn't me. And you know, I, we're still through the movie. We're figuring it out. It takes, she gets bitten by the vampire, but it, it, it takes a while to, you know, to sort of, uh, understand how we're going to move forward with this. And so, so in a way she's become this vampire and this, you know, bloodlust, bloodthirsty creature who has a new zest for life, but she's at the same time, she's checking in with her husband. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't me. (laughs) So it's so, it's just funny. And I think, I think that's how it would be in real life that if somebody makes a huge change in their life along the way, if they're not going to leave their husband, you know, there is, that's back to empathy again. I, I want to take him on the journey with me. My character of Anne wants to take Jacob on the journey. She wants him to alter and change along with her. And it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. So that apology, you know, it comes at a moment where, she wants to give him the opportunity to understand what, what she's become. And that's going to take a little time. It takes the time of the whole movie. And we asked this question to Bonnie earlier. I'll pose it to you. What did the poetry of the lines ignite in you? You say things like, yes. you know, my yeah. thoughts are bathed in rivers of blood or whatever that line was. And yeah. <laughs> everything's delivered with such a power and gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was just so meaningful and deep and, this is a big, bold horror movie, and it, it says a lot of things about relationships and understanding who we are as people and understanding what we want out of life and who we want to become and what we've lost. And it's very sensitive, but it's also a very heartfelt human movie about what it just means to be human. And I just love the poetry of a lot of the lines and especially Bonnie's last speech, mm. I thought was so beautiful and really really spoke to me on a very deep level as a person and as a, uh, as a performer and, and, and to be able to work on those scenes with Bonnie being the horror icon she is and what she's gone through in her life and who she is today. It was really very meaningful for, for me. And I think for all of us, yeah, Bonnie, the way you deliver that, that big speech, that monologue at the end, it's like a, a song. There's, there's like a beautiful rhythm and cadence to it. Yeah. Was that something that you developed with the director? Was that something you sat and came up with on your own? How did you just kind of visualize the power of that performance? Well, I worked on it a lot with Travis. And then I worked on it with Barbara. <laughs> yeah. and I, I even discussed it with, with Larry over dinner. Sure. <laughs> and we go, you know, I remember saying to you, Bonnie, because you were toiling over it, as we do, you know, we toil over certain scenes and especially the really important scenes. We doubt ourselves and we're, you know, we want to make sure that we get it right. And Bonnie was trying lots of different things. And she was saying, how about if I do it like this? How about if I do it like that? How about if I do it like this? How about if I? And they were all great. And at one point I said to Bonnie, I said, Bonnie, just try just saying it to me. Just say it. Yeah, no, you said, look at me and say it. Just stop all this. Look at me and say no, it. I said, just say it. Just say it, Bonnie. And, and, you know, some of that she used in her performance and then she did other things too. But I remember saying, 
that's it. That's it, Bonnie. Just say it to me because it's she has it all. It's all there. It was all there in Bonnie. Yeah. And all she had to do was say it and it was going to come across. And I think that was just me giving you permission just to not doubt yourself because you already had it. The uh-huh. ending we see, is that the only ending that was written or were there other versions of it? Uh, that's a really good question. It was always like that from the very beginning. We toiled over thinking maybe we should change it. Does she bite Jacob? Does she kill Jacob? Does she go with the master? Does she kill the master? <laughs> Does she just leave both of them and go off by herself? We didn't know, but it was always written like that from five years ago. That part of it, we never changed. It was always that. The question is always there. The question of how we're going to maintain a relationship of a long married couple is as eternal as vampirism. Beautifully said. Wow. There's a fun living room scene, uh, the dancing scene where you're rearranging furniture. Uh, were those uh, your dance moves that were imp- uh, improvised or were those choreographed? That was pretty much improvised. I knew where I had to get to at certain moments of the song. And we already had that song on set. So I was able to actually, you know, use my moves, uh, listening to the music at the same time. Yeah, it was one of the most fun scenes I've ever had in my entire life. And uh, just really showcasing the the joy that this character has, that she has the potential to live a bigger life. And that was the first glimpse that we really see of that. Just a few more quick questions before we wrap up here. One of this I'd like to pose to Bonnie. What do you make of this horror boom we are having right now? The community seems to be bigger than it's ever been. More and more films and not just more films, but great transformative films are being made. What do you think has been in the water these past few years that, that you think is spilling out? Well, I think everybody innately enjoys it. Maybe they didn't want to say that they enjoy it, but once they watch it and, and look at it and feel it, they go, wow, I really enjoy this. And everybody wants more of it, even though a lot of people don't want to admit it. I've had people, oh, I hate it. And I've had, just sit and watch it. Oh, yeah, that was great. Well, as usual, my response is going to be more dour. I think, <laughs> I mean, I just think the world is fraying at the edges and horror has always responded with these wonderful metaphors, you know, I, I like to say monsters are outsiders. So there's always been that. But, you know, after World War One, people came back deformed and we had freaks and we had Frankenstein. And, you know, horror is always uh, engaged with uh, responding to cultural anxieties. Of course, giant ants and Godzilla himself all came from the uh, atomic energy uh, boom. Zombie movies are popular because society does seem to be collapsing. And I just think uh, with climate change and other things, there's a heightened sense of anxiety. And then a movie like Jacob's Wife can also respond to some of our um, identity politics and identity issues and people trying to feel like they have a place at the table in society, different racial things. I mean, we shot in Mississippi, so Travis very deliberately wanted to populate his cast, his, his secondary characters with uh, people of color and just really embrace where we were shooting. And I think that our um, 
you know, is an expression of cultural anxiety. And as that as that ramps up, I mean, I think we recall that we're in a pandemic. That's why we're doing <laughs> people yeah. want to feel uh, it makes you feel less alone to have it expressed that. Yeah, this is fucking crazy. And, you know, Host was a fun movie. That was a Zoom horror movie that we had this year. Uh, I think yeah, this is a, a way to it, it actually horror gives comfort. I always say when you go to horror festivals, they're the sweetest people. And they're like, oh, I just love this film, Larry, when that head got torn off. <laughs> in England, there's a fantastic it's Fright Fest, uh, you know, festival in London. And, and everybody takes their week of vacation to go and watch horror movies. And so it's it's a great comfort. And I think more and more people are realizing that it's a genre that can be a comfort. <laughs> Barbara, you're a part of the new season of Creep Show that just started. What can you tell us about your episode? Oh, it's really fun. I, it was directed by Joe Lynch, who I've been a fan of for a really long time. My character is, well, it, it was written around the time that there was that woman in Central Park who was kind of the Karen with the dog and she was yelling at the bird watcher. Mm -hmm. And so I, I play a kind of a Karen who's not a very nice person. And I really appreciated that because I, I think that's kind of playing against type. And they offered me a role that just was really, really wicked and, and just not nice and was very fun for me to express that part of myself. And that's all I can say about it. No, that's yeah. a, understood. Yeah. And, yeah, and Bonnie, you got all sorts of cool stuff coming up all the time. You're constantly doing fun stuff. Is there any truth to the rumors of the nun returning, whether it be in the new Conjuring film or in, a, in your own sequel? Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, I love the candle every day and have my fingers and everything crossed. And what about this? You, you worked on a short with Chrissy Fox, right? The first one, it turned into full length. And now this one wow. that we just did is probably going to, what we seeing, it's probably most going to be a full length as well. Wow. That's awesome. And can you tell That's us any, awesome. any, uh, you know, quick plot points about it? Or are you allowed to talk about that yet? Well, Frank, which is probably the one coming out first. Frank is, I've actually brought it to Barbara's friends. I showed it to them and said, look at this thing I did with this young lady. And they, they're working on it with her and they're, they're the ones that are going to distribute it. Yeah. It's Bob portal who produced Jacob's wife. He has another company that he's a part of and it looks like they're going to distribute the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's outstanding. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, a lot of fun. it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. It's very well done. I mean, she's an amazing artist. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, she's incredible. Yeah, with, nothing, yeah. with, with, with nothing. And she executed into perfection and the the one that we just did recently is just very unexpected it is really unexpected we cannot wait and bonnie yeah. we love no, seeing yeah. you in things it's so fun it was such a delight yeah. seeing you and in, in jake right as well isn't she amazing yeah she's amazing love yes. to talk to her so much I love you yeah you lit the screen on fire as you do and Ooh. yeah yeah wow. we can't wait to see in more stuff Awesome, you guys. Well, listen, thank you so much. Seriously, it's been an incredible yes. honor. We appreciate the time yes. so much. And we just, we love the film and we love everything yes. you guys do. So again, thank, thank you. you. Thank you guys thank so you. much. 
That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 219. Special thanks to our guests, Barbara Crampton, Bonnie Ahrens, and Larry Fessenden. At time of release, Jacob's Wife is in theaters on demand and digital April 16th. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting. Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full-cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.